0: Everybody, welcome to this edition of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. Today we are diving into a topic that I don't really like to talk about on this show because, well, let me tell you, first of all, the topic is weight loss, and it's a topic that comes up amongst every conversation of midlife women because it's a time of life where if we're going to gain weight, this is like when it's gonna happen. And the reason why I've steered away from the topic on this show is because. A lot of the messaging around diet and fitness and things like that is very negative messaging. It comes from you know a place of lack or not enough. And with all of the messaging that we face as women, and especially as midlife women about aging, we had enough of that. And so today I have with me Stephanie Miramontes, who is a mind-body transformation expert. And what I love about Stephanie's work is that she approaches weight loss from the perspective of mindset, intuition, spirituality, and self-love. And it's very much about acceptance of where you are as the foundation of the place to get to where you want to be. And I so love that approach. And I think it's applicable, not just for weight loss, but I think for pretty much everything that we do in life. But because weight loss is such a, a popular topic amongst midlife women, I thought, let's have the chat with her today. So welcome, Stephanie. I am so happy to have you here with us. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be joining you. So I'd love to jump in, um, as I always do, with your story. You know, you have a long history in dieting as a dieter and also as a weight loss coach, and would love to kind of hear your story of how you got from where you were to where you are and how that has kind of guided you in how you, you know, talk to your clients today.
1: It's been quite the evolution. Um, (laughs) I started dieting when I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. That is the age where the messages really started to kind of come in that something was wrong with my body, that it wasn't a good enough body, that something needed to change. And so I spent decades trying to fix that body. When in reality, there was nothing wrong with my body, right? I was a 10-year-old girl. It was fine. I might've had a few little chubby roles. I might've been a little bit chubbier than some of the kids in my class, but mm, I mean, most kids kind of grow out of that and and it's just not something we should all be worried about. But I think it's something we can really relate to. I don't think I'm alone in starting that young, but all through middle school and high school I dieted, tried lots of different diety things. My mom was a lifetime dieter. And so Mm. in a kind of a strange way, we bonded over dieting. And I actually don't think that that's all that uncommon either. We're built the same. We look very similar. Uh, So of course, I did what she did. It was just, that was my influence. And so Lots of, you know, diet pills were around at that time growing up. And, and the, the idea of the perfect body being sort of the Victoria's Secret-esque mm-hmm. type bodies of the yeah. world.
0: Who, who has that body? By. Are there actually people who have that body? <laughs> I'm sure there are, but, but they are one in a million, yeah,
1: right? Yeah, there are. And they um, are on Victoria's Secret magazines. And that's it. That's it. the Only ones. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, but so I did that, you know, all through through middle school and high school and developed a little bit of an eating disorder, was uh, binging and purging for a while. But I grew out of that really quickly, thankfully. And then over time, had my children gained and lost weight, gained and lost weight. And with every child, I gained a little bit more and gained a little bit more. I have four children. And as you go through that with your body, self-esteem just kind of starts to Mm, tank as you go from A young woman's body to a woman's body with new stretch marks and loose skin and, you know, a lot of cellulite and the things that come along with just growing into your womanhood and having children or not, you know, of course it it happens regardless, but Mm -hmm. I eventually got hooked on weight training. That was very empowering for me. I saw a magazine cover. It was an Oxygen magazine cover, which now I just kind of giggle at the advice that comes in those magazines. But at the time, it felt very empowering to me. That was weird. It felt very empowering to me to see someone strong, someone powerful. And I didn't have to have the option of skinny or overweight. I could have the option of strong. And so I chased strong for a long time and that then became a whole new obsession and rabbit hole with weighing and measuring food, counting everything that I ate. And I yo-yoed back and forth with that because it was so restrictive and so hard to stick to these plans that by logic, all you have to do is follow the instructions. But emotionally, (laughs) we weren't addressing Anything, right? And so if there is no internal transformation and you're only chasing that external, which is where my worthiness has always lied, it always, always was on the external. I never learned anything different. I think Um, that's true for so
0: many women. Like, I think there's so many of us who I know that was true for me. I think there's so many of us who never actually learned to love the inside because we were so focused on the outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's society's box that they. Yeah. Decided to build for us, and somehow, as a collective, we agreed to try to jump yeah. in and fit into it uh, without our permission, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just kind of said, "Oh, here's the box. Okay, we'll try to fit into that. Exactly. Why, why not? You know, probably should have asked some better questions growing up, but you know, you know what you know, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so I then became a coach, learned everything I possibly could. Part of that was, as most Coaches will tell you, and trainers, and really anyone that gets into this kind of work is that they do that to fix themselves first, right? Mm. They think when you consume more knowledge, then you'll have the answer. There's a secret out there somewhere, right? (laughs) So, I started coaching in the same way that I was dieting myself with uh, lots of very obsessive diets, restrictive diets, counting, measuring all the things. And what I noticed is that. My clients were going through a lot of the same things that I was. I wasn't an outlier and they would follow their programs to a T and have really good success, but no one could hold on to it. And so they would mm-hmm. feel like failures and they would feel like they were doing something wrong and I just didn't have at that time the kind of skills that I needed to to look at that and say, "You know what? There is something emotional here we need to work on." It's right it's got to be love from the inside out. And so when that finally clicked for me, that's kind of how I ended up where I am today is is coaching from a place of worthiness, coaching from a place of self-acceptance, of self-love, and most importantly, self-respect, right? Just having that sort of idea that you are inherently worthy just because you exist and not based on um, how many pounds you can lose or what your gene size is.
0: Yeah. And so like along that journey, you know, as these realizations were coming to you about, hey, okay, it's not just me. I'm not just a failure. We're all kind of operating the same way. Was there like a, like a moment or a pivotal point where you're like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like I can't keep going down this path. And what was that like? Like, what was that little like shift light for you where you're like, okay, this is, this is such bullshit. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what happened was
1: I, had one of my moments where I was super committed, um, you know, never taking quote cheat meals and all the other diet nonsense that exists in the world. And I would go nine, 12 months of just pure perfection and have success and then And then I would start to lose my handle on it. I would start to relax my boundaries a little bit. And every time I would promise myself, you are going to stick to it this time. You're going to do better. And how could you ever have let yourself, you know, kind of go down that road? And the inner critic just screams at you, Mm. uh, you know, about how undisciplined you are and how much you lack this willpower. But there came a moment where I looked at my food scale and I just thought, this is not human. This is not how humans are meant to eat. This is not how humans Mm. are meant to feel. This is not how we're supposed to behave. And I put it away. And I said, never again. And I meant it. And so I wrote a letter to my body, kind of an Mm. apology, kind of a confessional, kind of a, it was mostly an accountability, promising that I was never going to do that again. I was never going to put my body through it again, if it wanted to be the size that I was that day forever, that I would accept that and I would live my best life in that size and I would still take care of it and I would still love it and I would still show an appreciation for lifting heavy things off the ground and cuddling my children and playing with my puppies and herding my cattle and <laughs> moving hay bales and all the things that, you know, my body shows up for me in those ways. And it was cathartic and it was tearful. Oh, and it was a bit yeah. of a morning of breaking up with dieting. But that moment just kind of snapped me out of this sort of haze that I'd been living in and just said, this is not the kind of coach I want to be. People are struggling too much and I'm driving that boat. So I'm not going to do it anymore.
0: Wow. I was like getting goosebumps and like a little bit teary when you were saying that because, and I'm sure there are so many women who can relate to the fact that like we are constantly, and like you said, we were taught this really young and we are constantly beating our bodies into some kind of submission, like to make it look a certain way to like always from this place of like, I've got to line up with what perfection is. And the horrible part is, is that the images that we see of perfection are not real. Like it's some imagined thing. And so here we are beating ourselves to a pulp mentally, emotionally, and physically to reach an ideal that doesn't really exist. Right. So we do that our whole lives. And then, you know, menopause happens. And, you know, like our bodies are doing what our bodies are supposed to do. And, you know, we we need to store a little bit of extra fat for the extra estrogen. Right. And then again, it's like one more notch where, like, oh, I failed again. So not only am I old, I can no longer reproduce, I have less value in society. Oh, and my body's now betraying me again. And like, I remember going through that, like, feeling like, like it was a real betrayal. And I think what you just said resonated with me so much is like on my own journey, I've gone through a whole process of self-forgiveness. And when I opened the door to self-forgiveness, a lot of what came out of that door was all the times I didn't trust my body, all the times I overrode the signals of my body, all the times I tried to make my body do something that it didn't want to do, which for me ended up in like mental, emotional, and physical burnout Mm. layered on top of a bunch of other things but like that for me was a massive realization about how my body wasn't betraying me. I was the one betraying my body. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And like when that, when I like, and and it was only through this process of self-forgiveness where I started to see this, where I was like, Holy crap. Okay. Like, like you, I am now starting a love affair with this body, no matter what shape or size it was. And you know, I'm like the, and the weird, not the, it's not even weird. It took me gaining 30 pounds to actually get to that place which I then managed to lose without having to beat myself up or do any kind of restrictive dieting or anything. And I think when you're coming from that place of self-love, it just becomes that much easier.
1: It definitely does. And I would say it's foundational. The few people that succeed on actual diets They've done some studies and things like that, where people that have successfully lost weight and kept it off for a number of years have certain things in common, certain habits and behaviors. And most of them have hobbies and joys outside of their um, Mm. obsession with dieting and changing their bodies. And most of us that are yo-yo dieters, chronic dieters, people who are constantly focused on our bodies, body checking and all the things that we we do as we squeeze and pinch and go, well, this wasn't there before and this, you know, doesn't belong here. Dieting and body checking becomes our hobby. It becomes our thing to do. And it's Mm. such a distraction from how much life there is out there to live. We've got so much more. And that self-love and that self-confidence comes from having your own back. It comes from not picking and pulling and prodding and poking at the areas that you don't like, but looking for what you appreciate, what you love and expanding on those things. You know, it may only be, you may only be able to find one thing. You may only be able to find the smallest thing when you roll out of bed in the morning. You know what? The only thing that I like today is my ears, or the palm of my hand, or just (laughs) something really random, right? but just noticing those areas or those things about yourself that you like interrupts your brain long enough to get you out of that sort of mental chaos of beating yourself up. And it refocuses your energy and attention. And that's where we grow from. It's not the state of like, I need to change. And when I do change, then I'll love my body or then I'll accept myself. Why do I have to accept myself now? When I could just fix the body, and that's like then i'll yeah. then I'll accept myself then, you know, when it's fixed, then it'll be fine. But the opposite has to happen. We have to come from a place of respect and honoring the body that we are in right now, and you know you you mentioned about gaining that thirty pounds and then losing it and and weight is such an emotional thing. Something that is really interesting that happens is that we put on this weight and It's just a manifestation of the things we're shoving down, right? The things we're putting away, the things we're unwilling to face, because eating in and of itself is effective. It is an effective tool to help us to feel safe in our bodies. If you're eating a chocolate bar standing in front of the pantry or anything, really, you can't be running from a bear, which, you know, the bear is metaphorically life, right? Stress or whatever it lets your body know you're safe. It spikes dopamine, all those chemicals in your brain that make you feel pleasure. And even though logically we know it's temporary, if we're gaining weight, a lot of weight, you know, regardless of whether it's hormonal or otherwise, that's something that we actually should be saying thank you about. Just saying, you know what? Thank you for showing yes. me that this is something that I'm refusing to look at. And you know, it may be too painful or too hard to look at right now as a whole, but maybe I can let a little bit in. Maybe I can just start taking this piece by piece. Maybe I can start looking at this little by little and seeing what am I, what am I unwilling to face? What conversations am I unwilling to have with myself or someone else? What boundaries am I not setting?
0: Yeah, this is so beautiful what you just said. So like one of the things that I talk about a lot, you know, with my clients and on the podcast and things like that is that you know, every chapter demands a different version of you, right? So when we were going into this next chapter of our lives, all the shit that was no longer serving us has to fall away. And I actually now looking back at it, I didn't sing it at the time, but like it took gain, gaining those 30 pounds for me was actually a massive gift, a bigger gift than I could ever imagine because all of the stuff that I was carrying around worthiness, not enoughness, you know, and trying to achieve that enoughness through my physical body. Right, like when it's my body was like, oh shit, no! Uh, Here you go. Here's the lesson you're gonna learn, right? Uh And in the process of gaining those thirty pounds was where I learned self love and self respect and worthiness and trust my for my body. Where I tuned into my intuition. Like all of that probably wouldn't have happened if I was still focused on you know beating my body into this thing that I thought it should look like. So it's it was really such a huge gift. And you know, if you think about it, I mean we have so much knowledge and wisdom and gifts to share with the world. But if we are super focused on our bodies and what we look like, we are so obsessed with that. We can't be sharing those gifts at the same time. And so I talk a lot about shifting the focus from, you know, what I what, what I am physically to what it what is the value that I bring to the world. Yep. Right? Because we all have talents and gifts. Every one of us on this planet has talents and gifts. And if we're obsessed with, you know, dieting and measuring food, we're definitely don't have any bandwidth left to be focusing on the things like you just said, it becomes our hobby. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One of the things that I was listening to a podcast, by the way, everybody, Steph has an amazing uh, podcast called Mind, Body, Alchemy. Is that what it's called? Yes. Mind, Body, Alchemy. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. So I encourage everybody to have a listen to it. But one of the things that I love that you were talking about was weight loss from the place of self-love and acceptance and being able to hold two truths that I am valuable and worthy as I am, but still I also want to lose weight. And how you balance those two truths, because I think we all come from the if I want to lose weight, I'm not, I must be not enough. Therefore, if I lose the weight, I'll become enough. Right. But we can hold two truths. And I talk about this a lot, like with my clients and and here on the podcast, that we can be in two places at once. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I loved that episode so much. Yeah.
1: You know, it kind of goes back to what we said before, where people, you know, when I coach, I coach on body image and I coach on the habits and behaviors that it, that it requires to, lose weight, right? And so people are kind of resistant toward the body image side of things, healing their relationship with their body, feeling that acceptance and that enoughness, because they can't imagine a world where they could accept that body, for one, because they've already lived in it for, you know, X amount of time, and it feels pretty miserable to them. So how can they possibly face that and say, this is okay. And they think, well, I don't need to do that because when I lose the weight, then I'll accept my body. But that poses the question then, because I can imagine that most, given just the statistics of how many women have been on a diet or a thousand diets, how many times have you been a smaller version than you are now and a larger version than you are now? And when were you ever happy? When were you ever just like, mm. yeah, this is it. This is the body and now my problems are fixed and now my life is fixed and I'm willing to show up and show out and do all the things. The truth is that body image and the way we think about our body is a program that we're running. It's something that is conditioned by society, sort of that box, that metaphorical box we fit ourselves into. And we borrow these concepts and beliefs and we, we create them and make them our own. And the reality is, if we are not respectful of our body, if we don't come from this place of love and acceptance and understanding of, for one, where we got, how we got to this place, you know, and what our body actually needs, then we're going to focus a lot on external things like counting calories and exercise and things like that, that never really tend to last because it doesn't solve the emotional problems that The worthiness, the lack of worthiness, and the lack of self acceptance that's what's really going on here. If all you think about is external things to try and change your body, shrink your body, then your focus is going to be on those external validators. And it doesn't even belong to you. Any kind of success that you end up with won't feel like it's yours because the internal environment hasn't been addressed. So, you don't right. have that self-acceptance. You don't believe in yourself. You don't believe you have you know, value in the world. If your value is only based on your body, then you can lose your value at any moment. Yeah. We're going to age. We're yeah. going to fall apart. Our bodies are not, they're not evergreen, right? They're going to decay over time. They're supposed to. And it's a beautiful process to watch. Life is beautiful in and of itself, but it's so hard to drop that comparison and put that aside in the, and show those two truths at the same time that, hey, I am worthy regardless of what I look like. I am worthy regardless of what my body looks like. I deserve to take up space in the world. And I have something really incredible to offer, even if you don't know what that is, because mm-hmm. you've spent so much time yeah. holding yourself back from the world. Yeah. And so you got to get to that place where you feel safe to show up and be who you are. And then you're going to be more motivated to care for that home, right? To care for yeah. that's, you know, I, I always talk about how your body should feel like home. You know, it's it's what carries your soul. It's what carries out your your life's purpose. Even if that purpose is just to exist day to day and it doesn't feel like anything big and grand and TV worthy or whatever, yeah, you matter.
0: Yeah. So how do you counsel your clients? Like, so after years of not being an acceptance of their body, like where do you start on body acceptance with your clients? Like let's say first you're 50 pounds I overweight or whatever. Like, how do I learn to love mm-hmm. being 50 pounds overweight, for example?
1: Here's the thing. I don't expect anyone to get to a place where they lust over their body, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that you have to look in the mirror and go, ooh, cellulite, that's my favorite thing about myself. It's not realistic. Right. Nice. not gonna happen. Right. There, nobody is going to, to be just like, yes, I love it. I don't know why, because 98% of women have it, yeah. but it's just unlikely. So I come at this from first of all, a place of awareness. I want you to start listening to your thoughts. Mm. Hear what you're saying to yourself. When you walk past a mirror, are you walking past, like, are you looking to see if you match and then hurrying and turning away? If you see a photo of yourself, are you automatically thinking, should I delete this? Are you looking immediately at your quote, problem areas? Or are you looking at the photo and saying, this is the experience i had in this picture? Mm. Um, What are some of the things that you think about as you go throughout your day? So we start with just awareness, turning up the volume on those thoughts that we tend to have all the time, but ignore and don't even hear and asking yourself, is this, is this true? Is this really the way I want to treat myself? And would I treat anyone else with the same cruelty? Right. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the answer is usually no. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the next thing we practice is becoming neutral. Mm. So a lot of us are really offended by our bodies. We're really offended by the fact that, you know, we have a little bit of softness that goes over our pants that, you know, maybe we can't tuck away or our thighs are so big or, you know, our boobs are not where they want, they once were or whatever. <laughs> right. So we, we tend to get just really offended by our bodies. And so we get in the shower and we hurry and wash them and then we get out. Like we don't spend any time appreciating how our skin feels or, what if they, you know, what if it was something else that was a bumpy texture? Would you judge it the same way as you judge the bumps on your thighs? Just feel and experience the truth of your body. What, What is your body? What, what are these lines? What are these bumps? It's just textures. If your belly is soft, why are you being so offended by the softness when you would pick up a blanket and cuddle it and that would feel like warmth and acceptance to you? Yeah. You know, so can we take the temperature down? in the way that we react to how we see and feel our bodies? Can we experience what it's like to live in a human body without objectifying it, without qualifying its worthiness based on size or the way that it looks? Can we just experience being in a human body for now and and appreciate that place? You know, if you have a specific area that's particularly troublesome to you, then I try to help you come up with some reframes. So instead of saying, I hate my thighs, I'm not going to go complete opposite and tell you to tell yourself that you love your thighs because your brain is going to go, you are a liar and I do not believe you. And so you will continue to hate your thighs. Right. (laughs) But if you can interrupt that thought with something that is equally true, but less problematic. So I have thighs, my thighs hold my hips. My thighs carry my, you know, baby on my hip, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. My thighs can squat 150 pounds, whatever. It doesn't matter. right? If we can just tell a truth that is not hurtful to us, then our brain switches gears, right? We can't just keep torturing ourselves and going down that rabbit hole. That Some shift happens on an energetic level about the way we are treating ourselves when we can look at ourselves and just be neutral. We don't have to lust. We don't have to obsess. We can just soften our reaction. And then that becomes the habit. Then when you look in the mirror, the next time you say, oh, I have such big thighs, you can go, actually, I just have thighs. I have human thighs. I have thighs that walk. And over time, you can't keep torturing yourself because that voice that you have trained in your head to neutralize it keeps showing up. And then you don't get paralyzed in this all or nothing perfection. Then you Mm. start putting yourself out into the world because normal thighs can just exist in a photo where, you know, maybe your thighs being too big, you feel like they can't exist in a photo. But if they're just thighs, they can exist. There's there's no qualifier. Right. There's no worthiness quotient there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you are a student of law, law of attraction or any of that kind of thing, I mean, the number one rule of getting the thing that you want is to be in acceptance of the thing that you have and in gratitude yeah. for things you have. And so, Getting to that place, like you said, even neutral is better than, you know, self-loathing, right? And eventually you get to the point where, like you just said, wow, my thighs carry me when I carry my groceries home or climb that hill or do whatever. And then now you get to this place of, oh, okay, it's gratitude, which then you can start attracting the things that you want. Yeah. Um, into yeah, your exactly. life. So yeah, I mean, God, it works on everything, doesn't it? Law of attraction does. is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and gratitude is the best interrupter. Isn't it is it?
1: really the best interrupter of your, you know, mental commentary and, and nonsense that we, everything is a story, right? I think it was yeah. Marissa Peer that said, just tell yourself a better lie because everything is a lie anyway. And she's so right because, you know, a perfect body is a lie. If you look back over history, The perfect body has evolved and changed many, many times. So true. What has been on trend is not going to be on trend tomorrow. It's going to change. It continues to change. And, you know, we've got a really interesting one right now with cosmetic surgery and Uh. exaggerating female bodies in a way that is, to your mind's eye, very not normal. Like you look at it and you're going, (laughs) that is not her butt. Yes. That is not her butt. Isn't that She's so true? She's wearing a waist trainer. Like logically, you know, but if you see it a hundred times, eventually you have reprogrammed your brain to accept that as normal, yeah. right? So why can't we reprogram our brains to love and accept ourselves? We absolutely can. And I reject those things, you know, I, when I yeah. see them, I don't want to desensitize to them. I don't want to think no. that's normal. I want to look at that and go, that's her choice body autonomy for the win i'm not telling anybody what to do with their body i think everybody can do whatever the heck they want that makes them feel like a rock star but there is some responsibility that we need to consider when we are especially when we have a big platform or we're influencing younger minds when we're saying hey this is what you should be after because their worthiness is hanging in the balance here and you know when when just a normal human shape is no longer yeah. the Trend or ideal, that becomes a little bit of a problem. So I'm all about programming body acceptance, so that we are armed against those kinds of messages about what's on trend and what's cool. I'm sorry, but women's bodies should not be a trend. No, they just should not. We are way too important. We've got shit to do. (laughs) Yeah, we are not for your consumption. And and it's not just men. Women consume women's bodies too. Hundred percent. Um. Yeah. I just touching real quick. One of the things that I work on in body image work is, you know, I talk to people about going through their social media feeds and clearing out some of the pages, because if you are just following that page to compare your body to theirs or your money to theirs or your life to theirs, you're objectifying them. If there's no relationship with them, if they wouldn't be your friend in real life. If you're not engaging with their content, if you're not getting anything out of seeing their pictures other than enjoying looking at their body so that you can then torture yourself and compare it to yours and then pinch yourself or whatever, like, oh, what is this spot? Then we need to start deleting because you're objectifying.
0: It's not just, you know. Yeah.
1: Men that objectify women, although
0: that's what we think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, but I think we as a culture, men and women have been taught to objectify. Right. And I think you made, you made an important point about awareness, because if we're not being aware of what it is that we're consuming and why we're consuming it. Like if we are unconsciously taking it in, we are accepting it. Like if we can look at it and go, okay, like you just said, I reject that. Okay. That's her body. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. Unless you make the conscious decision to reject it, you are accepting it and it's going in there. And then it's like layers and layers and layers of things that you're consuming that form this, this perspective against which you measure yourself which again, like we said, in most 99.9% of times, it's not real, right? Lighting, angles, <laughs> knowing how to pose, airbrushing, <laughs> like all the things, right? Like it's not real. Yeah. And yes, even, you know, exactly. like the, the trend now where we are seeing like older models, like bless bless their hearts, we need to see those images. But even those are problematic in the fact that most of them, A, have been airbrushed or are just genetically gifted, to have these long, thin, you know, live bodies, right? That look like they're 25. And again, like as older women, this is the ideal that we are now measuring up to. Well, the reality is that most women in their fifties bodies don't look like that, you know? So it's, we have to be really conscious of what it is that we're consuming. And so that actually leads me to diet. And I know that you are the anti-diet diet diet coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How, like, so you talk a lot about pleasure and joy and, you know, I know you're a big follower of the Daniel Laporte's Core Desired Feelings. Can you talk Mm -hmm. to me about that kind of context around how you approach then dieting? Because, I mean, science says you have to be in a deficit in order to lose some fat if that's what you want to do. So how do you then, you know, put that in the context of pleasure and joy versus, you know, you know, discipline and sacrifice and things like that? Which is typical yeah. of what you see in the diet industry.
1: It is. It's typical and it's <laughs> it's kind of the lazy way to just hand out some numbers. And what happens is then we override our systems. We, you know, it doesn't matter if you're hungry, it doesn't matter if you're full because you have to hit the number targets and, mm. and stuff like that. And so I teach women hunger directed eating. We eat when we are hungry, we stop when we are no longer hungry. And that helps most women get into a calorie deficit pretty easily. You have to experience some hunger in order to be in a deficit. That's just normal. And it's a biological norm. It taps us back into, you know, our human sort of systems. And so I do encourage my clients to experience some hunger, but you know, never more than an hour kind of thing. And so we're not getting too hungry, but we're not avoiding hunger either. But when it comes to the pleasure and the joy, there is no restricted foods. And we're not trying to say, well, you have to eat dessert last, or you have to eat dessert once a day. If somebody wants to eat a cinnamon roll for breakfast, and that's all they want to eat for breakfast, they don't have to eat their eggs first and have like a bite of a cinnamon roll. In fact, a lot of my dieters, I have to convince them, you know, they'll they'll still be emotionally eating or binge eating. And I'm like, how much of these foods are you actually putting on your plate? Because what will happen is they will try to bring their diet brain to the table and they'll have like one little square of chocolate or something, which is fine if that's all you really want. But at every single meal, that's probably not what you really want. Some people want a whole chocolate bar or whatever. And so you can see what happens is they will then finish up their meal. And then go back to the pantry, just looking for something, just that thing that Mm. satisfies because their meal wasn't satisfying to them. And so, you know, the idea is to eat the stuff that is awesome first, right? Eat your favorite things first because, you know, chicken breast and chocolate both have calories. So if you're going to then keep going back to the pantry 27 times to find that thing that satisfies you. So you have a few almonds because that's a single ingredient food. And then you have like, an apple, because that's a single ingredient food, but you just keep going back, even though your stomach says stop, you're still looking for that satisfaction and that joy. So why not build it in? Why not just say, you know what, Uh, I'm going to eat pleasurable food every single day. And if that is chocolate for one person great because they might've been restricting it their, you know, all their dieting years. And for some people that's just like putting cheese and salad dressing on their salad and making their salad yeah. delicious instead of eating lettuce and mustard, which was my thing for a lot of years. <laughs> this is ridiculous, but, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, like maybe, maybe it's throwing some avocado in there and just making, you know, more than one source of fat or something, you know, like I'm just going to make this really delicious and satisfying. And the chances are in the beginning, you're going to overeat it. In the beginning, you're going to overeat these things as you give yourself permission. But as you start to really tune back into your body and into your intuitive signals, the body speaks, but it whispers sometimes, you know, until it's shouting, right? It, It whispers and whispers and whispers. And, you know, if you ignore the whisper, then it gets to be a shouty bitch. But you know, it's just like in the beginning, like I said, you're just going to probably overeat sometimes and that's normal. And we have to accept that that's just a consequence of all the shoving down that you've done. And then eventually you'll start to tune into those, those body signals really really easily. And it becomes a little more uncomfortable for you to overeat foods. And it becomes uncomfortable for you to eat foods that don't satisfy you for, you know, good stretches of time, because who wants to eat six or seven meals a day? Who has time yeah. for that? And who wants yeah. to be distracted by hunger all day long or looking at the clock going, is it time for my next meal yet? Is it time for my next meal yet? And oh my gosh, she got pizza and I'm on keto and that's not fair. And how am I going to do this for yeah. the next 10 years? Like, Just enjoy your life now. Uh, The portions will eventually work themselves out. And I know that sounds like a fairy tale, but it really,
0: really does. It's so true. Well, because I remember, like, I remember, like, you know, many, many years ago, like being dieting, dieting, dieting. And then, you know, you'd see the bag of M&Ms and I would eat the whole bag of M&Ms because I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to have this food again. So I was really approaching it from a scarcity mindset. But when I got to the point where I can have a few, I can have a handful of M&Ms every day if I want, then all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't have to eat the whole bag now. That makes me feel so awful when I'm done. Yeah. And again, it's just like coming from that place of scarcity where, oh God, this is not going to be in my plan again, you know, until my next cheat day a month from now or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And actually saying it out loud, like the ridiculousness of it all is just like, (laughs) so it's so bizarre. But that's such a Monday mentality, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, that thing where you have the craving for chips and then you go and you eat crackers and then you eat this and you eat that and it's still not satisfying you. And then you go and you eat the chips. You're like, if I just started there in the first place, I wouldn't have had to eat all these extra food that I didn't even really want. (laughs) Exactly. Just have the chips. Just
1: have the chips chips and don't have to like serve yourself a good portion, a good satisfying portion. And then, you know, put your phone down, turn your television off, Mm. stop distracting yourself because we talk about how much we love food and that's why we can't lose weight. Right. We just love food too much. But the reality is if you loved it, you'd be giving it your time. You'd be giving it your intention, your attention. You would be there with that food, enjoying every bite. But what we do is, we love the break that we have from life. And so we take a break, we sit down at the table, we have our food in front of us, we plop open our cell phone, we start scrolling, and then we look down and our plate is empty. And there was no satisfaction had from that food. And you almost feel like you didn't eat and you need a do over because the brain just didn't register the pleasure part that you really needed. And food is one of our greatest gifts. It does help us manage our emotions a little bit. It does give us the break we need, but we have to be able to tune in and give it the opportunity to nourish us and make us feel good. And when I say nourish, I'm not talking green juice. I'm talking about whatever you put on your plate that makes, you know, your mouth light up and your soul excited, (laughs) you know, eat all the things.
0: Well, because I think the concept of loving food and losing weight is so counterculture. Like, you know, if I'm on a diet, I must be miserable. Like if I'm in a calorie deficit, I must be miserable. Right. But like that you could be in a calorie deficit and still feel satisfied Mm -hmm. and like not deprived is like a concept that I think would blow most people's minds. Right. I mean, that's why protein bars exist, right? Because you can't just diet
1: your way into this thinner body or lose weight and eat a candy bar, like, oh, no, you got to have this fake thing that looks like a candy bar tastes like chocolate, trick your brain and think it's fine. Right. When in reality, like you just want a candy bar, just eat the stupid candy bar. But we're, you know, we have so many rules and these sort of moral attachments like I'm good or I'm bad. This food is good. Yeah. The food is bad, you know, and, and we make it mean something when in reality, it's just energy. We're just eating energy. How we choose to eat it is nobody's business. It's eventually you're going to want things that are single ingredient based whole foods, nourishing foods, those kinds of things. But that doesn't make the brownie ever wrong. It just means that you have found the right balance of brownies to oatmeal or whatever random food yeah. you like. And, yeah. and that doesn't mean that you ever have to give them up. You can eat them every single day and still lose weight.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think too, like the whole diet industry has set us up in that moral dilemma of, you know, eat this way. I'm good eat that way because then like, cause I mean, it's, it's totally sustainable for them to keep you coming back. Right like to set up that yeah. dynamic so that you're constantly failing and coming back like if you really think about it like we're being set up to fail as opposed to being <laughs> eating to like being able to eat the foods that I love and live my life and go on date nights and vacations and still lose weight like what like that's that's mind blowing and you know the number of times that I see you know, especially in in midlife Facebook groups and communities, you know, well, you can't eat bread. You know, you can't. You have to go keto. You have to do this. You know, you have to eliminate weed. You know, you have to like all of the cleanses and the detoxes and the things. And I'm just like, wow! Like, look at all these women just like suffering, like trying to suffer through for this thing, right? Which is not wrong. It's not wrong to want to lose weight. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? No. But like how do we get to it from a place of loving our bodies and listening to our bodies because i think you're right like if you really sat down and asked your body do you want that second chocolate bar today or would you rather have a green salad i think your body would say hey some salad would be nice <laughs> right but if we're not tuned in yeah. there because we're so busy hating our bodies how would we ever get that message yeah, yeah. well and
1: and even furthermore consider the last time you ate to the point where your stomach was really full most people do that every single day, usually multiple times a day because they are so checked out of their signals and they've trained their bodies to stop at that point of discomfort. That's not a loving place. That's Mm -hmm. not coming from a place of body love. That's not coming from a body a place of body respect, it's over feeling your body and asking it to do something to work extra hard because you're not tuned in. And, you know, for good reason, we tune out (laughs) and numb out and, and walk away from our lives for a lot of reasons. I mean, we live in hustle culture, it's Mm -hmm. overwhelming, Mm -hmm. it's exhausting. You know, there's always something to do. There's people pleasing and perfection and inner critic stuff. And so sometimes food is literally the only thing we look forward to. And so when we're eating a meal, and we keep going back for more or we keep eating until we absolutely can't eat anymore. My question to the clients that are going through that is what happens after dinner? What do you look forward to when the meal is over? Is it just doing the dishes and taking care of the kids and going to bed? Because of course you don't want to stop eating. Like that's your satisfaction. You are looking for more satisfaction, more of a break, more downtime, more pleasure. So how about we have a start and an end to a meal So that it's very clear, like, you know, I I encourage my clients to eat on nine inch plates because, you know, it it fills it up. It's an abundance mindset. It usually ends Mm -hmm. up with the right amount of portions and it makes them stop and be aware before they go back for seconds. And so it gives them a very clear start and finish to a meal. And then after that meal, I encourage them to either waste five minutes looking at puppy videos on YouTube or going for a walk or do something that is still adding back into their sort of Mm. love tank before they have to pick up on all the responsibilities and just go back to work and take care of the kids and do all the things. Because that's why people drag out their meals. They're searching for more satisfaction. And when we fill up our lives with things that just light our asses up, food is no longer the star of the show. It becomes a background noise. It's, It's important. It matters. It's pleasurable, but it's not the only thing we're living for.
0: Yeah. I love, love, love that. So even more reason to like, focus on your passions, focus on your purpose. If you know what that is like, you know, focus on things that bring you joy, right? That's so amazing. I mean, and imagine like being able to love your body, be able to have joy and pleasure from food and still lose weight. Like amazing. Like how amazing is that? And it's totally possible. Yeah. It's 100% it's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's 100% possible to I mean, I've done it. Like it's 100% possible. And yeah, we just we just need to be infusing a lot more a lot less negative messaging and a lot more pleasure and joy into our lives. So, this has been an amazing right. conversation. You know, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think is an important topic related to this? Like what about intuition? Um, Can we just oh. talk about intuition for a second? <laughs> my
1: favorite <laughs> Yeah, intuition is, you know, it the way that it ties back to diet, we kind of already covered without naming it. And that is the nudge that we get to seek out something mm-hmm. more satisfying, to seek out something more fulfilling, to, you know, it's like I said before, eating is a really emotional process. It does spike those hormones and make us happy, but it also numbs out that voice that says your job sucks. Mm. And you're not willing to have that conversation about how you deserved a raise a year ago. And there's a problem in your marriage. And you know what, your kids probably need to like, do something, you know, whatever it is, Mm. these things that kind of weigh on our soul, it food is really effective at numbing those things temporarily so that we can tolerate a life half lived so that we can tolerate the things that are bothering us because we accept the responsibility of all of that pain and all of that frustration and all of that disappointment instead of allowing other people to acknowledge that their behavior or or their contribution is also upsetting right sometimes we keep our mouth shut so we feel all the discomfort so they don't have to feel any discomfort Right. right And so that intuitive nature that we have says something has to give here. And the way we use food is to shut all of that down so that we spike those dopamines, pretend everything is fine. All those neurotransmitters are dancing in our head. Everything is good until tomorrow. And then we put it on repeat. It's just a way to ignore intuition. And so when we allow it to speak And we don't feed it, we just sit there with it and we allow all the emotions and we name them and we find them and we see where they are in our bodies and sort of breathe relief into them and say, okay, what do I need right now? What do I really need right now? What is the big message here? And is it on a micro level? Like maybe I just need a bath you know, maybe I just need a bath yeah. and a break from, from the day, or is it on a macro level where it's like, you know what, I really need to start taking some steps into a new career, or, you know, I need to get out of this house or out of this town, or, you know, I need to change churches or you yeah. know, whatever yeah. it is that, that is speaking to you. And that doesn't mean you get to change it overnight, you know, life happens and, and it's uncomfortable, but taking one step can feel so empowering and it makes your intuition start to speak louder. And it, And that first step is always really heavy, but it builds that momentum. And then your intuition is just like, okay, next, okay, next. Like,
0: thank you for letting me speak. Yeah. So, so true. That is so true. And I always tell, you know, my clients too, like, you know, when they're feeling stuck, because that's often something that happens at this time of our lives, is take the tiniest step you can possibly think of. Like, whatever the big step yes. that you think it is, like break it down into like one tenth of that and take that step, because even that step is enough to just like mm-hmm. kind of tweak your brain into be like, oh, okay, I can do this. Right. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. feel quite so overwhelming. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and once yeah. you start paying attention Maybe and listening, so. amazing things happen. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: I just wanted to touch really quickly on, because of the age group that you tend to work with, Mm -hmm. there is a hormonal element to Mm -hmm. increased hunger, increased cravings, um, and things that, you know, fat redistribution, that fat is showing up on our bodies in ways that you know it didn't before you know people talk about oh in my 20s i never had this issue and now that i'm in my 50s it's starting to show up and and then you know you you get blasted with pictures of jlo and this is the new 50 <laughs> and you know all, all of the things <laughs> right i am a big proponent in getting support for your hormones and mm-hmm. finding a doctor that it can be part of your team if that is what you need but menopause doesn't have to stop you I will recommend that you weight train because that is a huge, huge, huge bonus. It helps with insulin resistance. It helps balance your hormones. It's very empowering too. And it keeps our bones nice and strong as our estrogen starts to kind of change, you know, through those things. So there are some practical things outside of the really intuitive and spiritual and habitual things that we can do Mm -hmm. to support that journey too. So we really have to look at it from a mind, body, soul angle. And yeah, and, and holistically in order to address those things.
0: Yeah. And I think too, you know, in that this time of life, when you're feeling very disempowered by a lot of things, um, weight training can give you a sense of feeling much more in control and like a badass, right? Wow. Like, I mean, there are days where like, I come out of the gym going, I can do anything. I just anything. deadlifted, right? Like whatever it is, 50 pounds, hundred pounds, 150 pounds, whatever it is. But like, it's a sense of power in yourself. It gives you a little bit more respect for your body and what your body can actually do as well. Yeah. And so again, it kind of takes the focus of, off. And I say this all the time, like the focus of what am I losing to what am I actually gaining and what am I capable of? And like, what's the value I bring? So weight training is a fantastic tool for that.
1: Like, yep, I fantastic. agree. And it moves that stuck energy. When you have yes. that stuck energy, yes. I, I I walk out of the gym feeling much more clear, and some of my best 100%. ideas happen underneath a barbell. You know, it just hundred percent just feels good. You know, I know it's not your thing. That's cool too, but just move your body.
0: Yeah, move your body because yeah, and I always say like you know, weight training is what got me through my divorce. Like there would be days I'd be crying <laughs> and lifting at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but it helped. It like helped me process. Like it helped me work my way through it. Right, so. Yeah. yeah it's a powerful yeah. tool in the arsenal and like weight training doesn't also need to be you know, lifting one hundred and fifty pounds off the floor. Weight training can be doing some push-ups and doing some air squats, right? Yeah. Like it's just you know moving your body in a way that like is weight bearing, right because it's yeah. I mean that's important for us like if there's something at consideration with osteoporosis and everything else you know that is looming on the horizon for menopausal women. so and it's an important right. factor, and I think it's um, yeah something we should all we should all take into consideration so thank you for this conversation Steph I love love your approach like I love the mind body spirituality focus because I think like you said focusing on the food and becoming obsessed with the food we're missing so much of the big picture and Mm -hmm. it's like we are we are more than just what we put in our mouth (laughs) right like there's so much more to all of us And as soon as we start to recognize that, and that's why I love the fact that you can, you basically can have it all, right? Like you can love yourself. You can be in full acceptance of where you are at whatever weight you are. But if you want to lose weight, you can do that too. And you don't, you know, it is about pleasure and joy and listening and, you know, respecting your body and loving your body. Um, I so love that approach. So thank you for sharing that with you, with us. Um, Where can people find more of you if they want to? more of your programs or where are you on the webs?
1: (laughs) I am on Instagram at soulcenteredfitness.co and I have my podcast, Mind Body Alchemy. Of course, you can find me at soulcenteredfitness.co and that's my website as well. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm kind of everywhere, but my main platform's are my podcast and Instagram. So that's where you can come and find me. And I would love for you to pop into my DMs, say hello, let me know what you took away, all the things, because I just love hearing from people. So
0: please reach out to me. So we will make sure that all of that gets in the show notes so that everybody can uh, click through and find you. Thank you again. And to everybody listening, go check out Steph's website, follow her on Instagram. She always has amazing content and thought-provoking <laughs> posts. Um, at least I find them thought-provoking. So go check her out on, on Instagram until next time. And if you are listening to the show and you love what you heard, please feel free to reach out to either Steph or I and or leave a comment or a review. We would love that. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Old Chick Snow Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.